ISO.org is the premier online Bible school developed by Perry Stone. ISO.org has dozens of courses, hundreds of lessons, and thousands of students all over the world. Sign up today. Welcome to Manifest, hosted by international evangelist, teacher, and author Perry Stone. Enjoy unique insight into prophetic and practical truth. It's time to feast on fresh manna, so get ready to be blessed and encouraged. And now, here is your host and teacher, Perry Stone. There is a passage in the book of Revelation that I'm going to cover that I've never taught on in the history of Manifest. Neither have I taught on this in the 42 years of my ministry. And it's a verse that deals with four angels that are bound underneath the Euphrates River. And we're going to explore that part of the world, which is the territory between Iran and Iraq. We're going to explore the Euphrates River. And we're going to talk about these four angels and what their assignment is and why are they now bound in that part of the world. To begin with, there are three major prophetic things which we know from Scripture that's going to happen in the very near future. Number one, there will be the revealing in his time of a man that Paul calls the man of sin that the Apostle John identified as who Antichristos or the Antichrist and he will come at the time of the end. He is the last world dictator. Number two, there will be a coalition of nations and men who rule over these nations who will associate themselves with him and align themselves with him and they're simply called ten kings. They're identified as ten horns uh, in the book of Daniel, and they are the ten heads of the beast, for example, in some, some prophetic scriptures. Then we have the third part of this, which is a kingdom that forms when this coalition joins with the Antichrist. Now, this kingdom is numbered in the book of Revelation as the eighth and final kingdom on the earth. Now, that eighth kingdom will rule for 42 months while the contract or the covenant that's the word used in the book of Daniel 9 27 is for a period of seven years. Now these three things are going to happen in the very, very, very near distant future. The rise of the Antichrist is very interesting because there's two important verses that I want to give you. One is in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, the Bible says that this man is to be revealed in his time when the thing that is restraining him on earth is removed or lifted. Now, without going into a huge discourse, it would take me one hour to break down the word studies and the verses of 2 Thessalonians 2 to prove this. But the restrainer on earth is the church that believes in the power of the Holy Spirit. That's what's restraining the man of sin. That's what's restraining evil in the earth. Even in America, the extreme, radical, anti-Christian, anti-God left, and they are everywhere, their biggest hindrance are people who believe in God and believe in the Bible that are filled with the Holy Spirit. And I got news for you. We're not going anywhere. Just so you'll know that. We're still here. And as long as we're on the planet, we will be a thorn in the flesh to those of you who are anti-God, anti-Christian, and anti-Bible because our nation, believe this or not, was founded on Judeo-Christian principles. And that's history. You, you can't deny that. Now... Having said that, the man of sin will be revealed in his time when the restrainer is removed. And I believe the restrainer being removed is the 
Lord coming for the church, those overcomers, and taking them to heaven. And we don't have time to get into all the dividing of that verse and dissecting that verse and the hermeneutics of the words and all that. Now, second verse I want to give you is in the book of Daniel. Here it is. It reads this way. In the latter time of their kingdom, when the transgressors are come to full, a king of fierce countenance and understanding dark sentences shall stand up. Now, in the context of that verse... Some say that was Antiochus Epiphanes who invaded Jerusalem and defiled the temple. He was a picture of the Antichrist, no doubt. He wasn't the Antichrist, not the one mentioned in the New Testament, because that one's coming in the future. But he is a picture of what's coming. So when the transgressors come to full, and that word transgressors there in that passage means to, to revolt, rebe to rebel, to break away from authority. And when, it, when they're come to full, that phrase come to full in the New Testament is a Greek word that's translated in English as fullness. You have the fullness of Israel, the fullness of the Gentiles, the fullness of time. And the particular Greek word used in the New Testament for fullness can mean when a cup is full, when something has been completed, when a list of things has been completely done. There's different meanings to the word fullness. But if we go to... Genesis, where God spoke to Abraham and he said, your seed shall be in captivity in a land that is not theirs. And I'll bring them out because the fullness of the Amorites has not yet come. God was going to bring the children of Israel out of Egyptian bondage and bring them into the promised land to judge the Amorites that had controlled Canaan land. They were offering their children to idol gods uh, called Molech. Uh, they were very involved with incest and a lot of other sexual immorality. So God was going to judge the Amorites and move them out of the land when their sins became full. Uh, another example of this is in the book of Revelation when it talks about the woman the city ruling over the kings of the earth that's identified in the symbolism of mystery Babylon. This woman has a gold cup in her hand that is full of the wine of her fornication, meaning her iniquity. And when that cup becomes full, that is when God judges this uh, city called mystery Babylon. So there's this theme in both the Old and the New Testament that when uh, iniquity becomes full, when it's not repented of and it becomes full and the cup becomes full to the point of running over, this is when God throughout history would allow a judgment to come on a people or nation. So the Antichrist will come when the transgressors are come to full or the fullness of iniquity comes throughout the entire earth. So we got two things going on here, the fullness of iniquity happening in the entire earth, which is called by Paul in 2 Thessalonians 2, the mystery of iniquity. And when it all comes together and all becomes full, this is when the Antichrist will be revealed on the earth and the great damage that he does will be accomplished. Now, the verse I want to key up on, and this is a verse that deals with the tribulation period, and it deals with right about the middle of the tribulation period when there will be numerous battles and wars, some very major wars that are going to take place. Let me read this verse to you because I want you, I want you to uh, key in on this verse. Now, before I read... The Revelation verse, I'm going to read to you a verse in Jeremiah 46 and 10 that very few people, even men that teach the prophetic word, have ever heard taught. I mean, they don't, they don't, they don't get into this verse and tie it in to the Revelation verse I'm going to give, but it should be tied together. Now, here's what it says. For this is the day of the Lord God of hosts, a day of vengeance, that he may avenge him of his adversaries, and the sword 
and the sword shall devour, and it shall be uh, saturated and made drunk with their blood. For the Lord God of hosts hath a sacrifice in the north country by the river Euphrates. So this is a mentioning of a judgment which would come to Babylon, but it mentions the river Euphrates. Now, pay attention to the book of Revelation, which is a very bizarre verse. I'm, I mean, there are some verses. How many of you know some strange verses in the Bible? You have to admit it, right? So this is one of those strange verses. Look what it says. So the Lord says to the sixth angel that had the trumpet, loose the four angels that are bound in the great river Euphrates, and the four angels were loosed, which prepared for one hour a day, a month, and a year to slay the third part of men. Then it goes on to say this, and this is where the story gets intriguing. And when the sixth angel poured out his vial upon the great river Euphrates, and the waters thereof were dried up, that the way of the kings of the east might be prepared. Now, there's so much going on in these two verses, and hopefully I can kind of explain this to you. The first thing we have to do is identify what is the Euphrates River. Most of you know, but if you don't, between the borders of the modern-day countries of Iran and Iraq are two rivers. The old name of one from Genesis 2 is called the Hidekel, and the other is called the Euphrates. The Euphrates has basically maintained the same name through history. The Hidekel River is later called the Tigris River. The name was changed, but it's the same river. Now, these two rivers, one starts up toward Armenia, one starts in Turkey, and then they join together uh, at a place called Bozra. And then they, when they come together, they empty out into the Persian Gulf. Now, the Euphrates River and the Hidekel River, if you'll read Genesis chapter 2, were two rivers that were the border of the Garden of Eden. You have the Pishon, the Gihon, the Hidekel, and the Euphrates. The two of those rivers were the rivers in Egypt. The Gihon, or the Gihon is, according to Josephus, the Nile River. The Egyptians called it one name. The Greeks called it another name. That's why it has two different names. But everybody knows where the Euphrates River is. It is still maintaining that name today. Now, the Euphrates River starts in Turkey, as I said, goes for about 1,800 miles and empties out into the Persian Gulf. Now, somewhere along the Euphrates River was a Tower of Babel in Genesis chapter 11 because they would build their cities near rivers because of irrigation and water. Of course, that was later destroyed by the Lord in the 11th chapter of Genesis. And later, a man named Nebuchadnezzar came and built a massive major city called Babylon along the banks or near the Euphrates River, between the Tigris and the Euphrates River. And it was a great thoroughfare and waterway. So the Euphrates has been the boundary of the Garden of Eden in the beginning of time. The Euphrates River has been a river which uh, the, all of the ancient empires, whether it's the Ur of Chaldea, where Abraham is from, Babylon, Babel, the, uh, you have uh, all these cities that were built along that uh, waterway. It's a very famous river. Now, at some point, and this is where the story gets intriguing, at some point, there were four angelic beings that were bound in the Euphrates River. But the question comes up, who were the angels and when were they bound and why were they bound? The only explanation I can give you in, in comparing Scripture with Scripture is what I'm about to tell you right now. If you go into Daniel chapter 10, Daniel was in Babylon and lived there for 70 years. When the Medes and Persians overthrew the Babylonians, 
then the Bible says that the prince of the kingdom of Persia came to Babylon and withstood Daniel's prayer for three weeks. That prince of Persia was not a man. The prince of Persia was what Paul would have called in Ephesians chapter 6 and 12, a principality spirit, which is the highest ranking demonic angel that can rule over a nation. Now, here's the point. When the demon angel over Babylon, because there was a wicked angel over the atmosphere, when it was overpowered, it had to be bound somewhere. Then the media Persian spirit came for 200 years, but it was overthrown by the Grecian Empire. So when Alexander the Great from Greece came, the media Persian spirit, the one Daniel battled, had to be bound somewhere. Y'all tracking with me? When Alexander the Great's empire fell, now remember, the Babylonians, the Medes and Persians, and Alexander the Great all ruled from Babylon off the Euphrates River. Then when the Grecian spirit was overthrown by the Romans, that angel had to be bound somewhere. Then when the Roman Empire collapsed or the Western Empire collapsed, and you come into the Byzantine Empire in the East that ruled for a thousand years, and of course the Roman Church became a powerful uh, force from like the 7th, 8th century on, relaxed in the time of Charlemagne forward uh, in the year 800, we have the spirit of Babylon, the spirit of Media Persia, the spirit of Greece, and the spirit of Rome. Now, these are single, individual, angelic beings that ruled that part of the world that had to be bound. Somewhere, God, and it may have been through Michael the Archangel, we don't know, I'm only speculating that part, took those spirits, those high-ranking principalities, and bound them in the Euphrates. Now, watch what I'm about to show you. In the book of Daniel... You have empires, these very empires I'm naming, that are alluded to in the form of animal symbolism. You have the lion, which is Babylon. You have the bear, which is Media Persia, right? You have the leopard, which is Greece. Then you have a nondescriptive beast with seven heads and ten horns that we know is Rome. Now watch what happens in the tribulation when the Antichrist comes to power in Revelation 13. John says, I saw a beast rise up out of the sea and the beast was like a leopard, like a lion, like a bear. There's three of those empires. And that the, the Antichrist reforms the entire area of ancient Babylon, Media, Persia, Greece and brings all of that under his subjection. And that's all the Middle East, guys. That's all the Middle East, all the way from Egypt, all the way over to uh, uh, Afghanistan and Pakistan. It's the Middle East. So when, everybody's still tracking with me? So when the Antichrist forms that kingdom, the spirits of those previous empires are unleashed from underneath the Euphrates River where they were bound in the days of ancient Babylon and the history of the previous empire. Isn't that amazing? Now, this, this helps explain something to you because anytime that we talk about, or let's say I come on television because, uh, I, let me just tell you this, I fell in love with prophetic preaching when I first came to the Holy Land in 1985, and I found out all these prophecies that were actually being fulfilled or mentioned in the Bible, and nobody in the United States was reporting this. There was no minister, you know, back in that day, the only... Uh, 
I guess, main prophetic teacher was Hal Lindsey. A lot of you remember late great print Planet Earth that was written in the 70s. And you had Southwest Radio Church of the Air. And you had a few other men that came along about that time. Jack Van Impey, of course, in the ba uh, Southern Baptist Church was very strong preaching prophecy. But there weren't that many men teaching it back in that day. All right. Now, I fell in love with it because I came here to find and discovered prophecies that were being fulfilled. But when I began to talk about an antichrist or a tribulation, you would be shocked how many people view it as some really negative message and they don't even want to hear about it. And uh, I get all kinds of criticism. As a matter of fact, I told my wife a while back, I am so thankful for the partners of our ministry, the new people that are coming in through the teaching, because sometimes, I'll be honest, you feel like a dinosaur out there because all the young guys, a lot of them, not all, but a lot of the young guys taking over their mom and dad's churches and the mega churches, they just want to do what's happening now and make everybody happy and just preach a pretty message in 20 minutes and go home. And their people know nothing about prophecy. I have a friend of mine, he called me one day, he came up under, and he didn't really come up under my ministry, but he sat under my ministry when he was a student at LSU. Uh, I used to go there every year to church, and we'd have a two, three week revival, and his, just a brilliant guy, has a, probably about a 15,000 member church. But he said to me, he says, I am so concerned that my generation of guys that are 20, 30, and 40 are so into technology and so into this that they're going to take a chip in their hand, they're going to take the mark thinking it's the coolest thing in the world. And he told me, he said, I'm concerned about this generation coming up. They love their technology, that they're not going to see anything wrong if they're ever, if we ever step into something leading into that. Does that make sense? Because, and it's really true. All right, let me go back and stay on the subject here because I can tell you this. But one of the things when you look at the tribulation that angers some people is they see the vile judgments, the trumpet judgments, and they say, well, why is God trying to kill everybody? Listen to me very carefully. This is the part nobody gets. This is the part that's not being preached. Revelation 12, and Satan comes down to earth with great wrath with his angels, knowing that he hath but a short time. And the four angels go forth to, to destroy a third of mankind for a year, a month, a day, etc., some of this destruction which is happening is the, now, now pay attention, is the lifting of God's hedge on the earth and the removing of God's restraining power on the earth and the permitting of the powers of darkness to be unleashed on the earth. Now you know that when the powers of darkness are unleashed, the Bible says the thief cometh not but for to what? Kill, steal, and destroy. The thief comes not before to kill, steal, and destroy. So. When we look at the tribulation, we have to understand that in 2 Thessalonians 2, God is lifting His hand off the earth. As long as God's hand is on something, read the Bible, it's blessed. And the hand of the Lord came upon me and He led me and the Spirit of God came upon me. So when God's hand is on it, it's blessed. But when God lifts His hand or removes it, read Job 1 and 2, the hedge can be removed and then Satan can come in. So a lot of the destruction happening in the earth while we know in the Bible that angels are allowing the judgment to happen. It is the powers of the enemy in some instances, not all, that these angels are going forth. I mean, Revelation 9, look, that's the oddest chapter in the Bible. You've got these beings coming out of the abyss. And by the way, the entrance to the abyss is probably, see, this is, this is in the message and I don't have time to preach it. The entrance to the abyss, which is the bottomless pit 
in the book of Revelation, it's, it will say in the book of Revelation, the bottomless pit, and you have these creatures coming up and they have a king demon over them, a king spirit called Abaddon or Apollyon. One is a Hebrew word, one is a Greek word. Both of those words mean destroyer or destruction. And when those spirits, whatever this is, is released, they go out to torment men. So look at this. you got four spirits released from the Euphrates. You have Revelation 9, a whole horde of spirits that produce a 200 million man army and inspire them to march across the Euphrates River, which dries up. And then you have Satan coming down with his angels. They're not here yet. They're in the atmosphere, Ephesians 2 and 2, Ephesians 6 and 12. They come down with great wrath, knowing they have but a short time. And that is why Daniel said it will be a time such as was not, there was not a nation nor ever shall be a time of trouble, Daniel chapter 12. And this is also why Jesus made the statement in Matthew, except the days be shortened, no flesh would be saved. So see, a lot of people, the way this has been taught for years, see this as God trying to kill everybody. No, when the hand of God is lifted and you have these demonic powers, these demonic spirits, these demonic armies being released, that's why you see certain levels, not all, not all, some, this, now don't get me wrong, this is God's judgment, yes, but God's judgment comes by His hand being lifted. Because when the, when the hand of God comes off, the enemy just has free reign. So I want to tell you that I'm standing here on the tail of Megiddo, and right behind me is this beautiful valley where in Revelation 16, 16, the nations of the world will come together for the final battle. But here's, every time I come here, look, I've been coming here for years. And I look up in this beautiful sky and I can imagine uh, the fake news of America that will come, <laughs> that will come here in the millennium, I'm, I'm, come here at the end of the tribulation because I can tell you some of that bunch definitely ain't going in the rapture because they don't believe. And they're going to have their cameras pointed in the sky and they're going to see all these objects coming out of the sky. And there's going to be this bright one just shooting light all over the place. And when they zoom those cameras in, whatever they use when that happens, we may have new technology by then. They're going to see and it's going to go around the world. How do I know that? Because it says every eye will see him. It's going to go around King of Kings and Lord of Lords. You see all these people? They're going to be riding white horses. Get up, get up. That's right, that's right. And, and Jesus, Jesus is going to be coming back to rule and reign for a thousand years. So this is how it's going to end, but the end is only going to be the beginning. So this is a great teaching. I hope you've enjoyed it. I hope you learned something. And as always, we have an offer to present to you. This helps keep manifest on the air. I'll be right back. Excuse me while I practice riding my horse. Excuse me while I practice riding my horse. Yeehaw! Glory to God. Hallelujah. If you want to hear the latest word on the last days, I'm now offering you prophetic messages by five different speakers from our recent International Prophetic Summit. My first message was Pax Americana, America's Roman Disease. I want you to hear the stunning parallels as America enters its third phase similar to the ancient Roman Empire and how the mass immigration that came into Rome caused the fall of the empire in the same way that it could bring America to its knees economically and socially. Also, I'm going to expose this new socialist agenda. In my message, The Rapture, God's Reward for the Overcomers, I want to explain the history of the rapture teaching using Greek word studies and answer the critics who don't believe this will ever occur. I will give you numerous overlooked words and verses that prove the great catching away is for the faithful and for the overcomers and is God's reward to separate His covenant people from the wrath to come. 
My third message was the most requested, who will be left behind at Christ's return. I'm going to go to Luke 17, also in Matthew, and show you that the Greek word taken refers to those taken at the rapture. I will answer these questions. Will carnal Christians be left behind? What happens to the fetus inside of a Christian woman at the moment of the rapture? And I delve into a very controversial question, what will happen to the pets of Christians at the coming of the Lord? The fourth message is an expose on Satan's hidden conspiracy to sabotage America. I want you to hear this and how if we don't turn and repent, tsunami judgments are coming to the coastal cities of America. I want you to hear Jonathan Kahn's prophetic update. I want you to hear Mark Bilt's messages on the prophetic profile of Solomon, how artificial intelligence will impact you. Bill Cloud spoke on the war on the hill, living stones, God's witness of the last days and the mystery of lawlessness. And Joel Richardson topped it off with prophetic developments on Mount Sinai in Arabia and don't be an Nimrod. Now these messages from our International Prophetic Summit are now available. If you would like them on DVD, which includes the message in the pictures, or you can order them on CD, which is the message only. The CDs are for a donation of $70 or more. The DVDs are for a $110 or more donation. And the CD offer number is 19PSCD, and the DVD offer number is 19PSDVD. Order online right now at perrystone.org, or you can call toll-free 1-888-21-BREAD. That's 1-888-212-7323. Or write me at Perry Stone, P.O. Box 3595, Cleveland, Tennessee, 37320, and enclose the offer number and the amount. I want to warn you in advance, these messages are for truth lovers and meat eaters only, and they are the unedited versions. Looking forward to hearing from you. Okay, folks, this is now available. You saw the edited version of my message. We cut stuff out for TV. This will have the unedited version of every speaker's message. Please get the CDs and the DVDs today. I promise you, you're going to learn things Pardon my expression, that's going to blow your mind. Well, I'm here in my office because you probably have never seen this before, but this is the International School of the Word, uh, our Internet Bible School, and this is my office. This used to be the office of Dr. T.L. Lowry, or one of the rooms uh, at the T.L. Lowry Global Foundational Center, and uh, I have in here some of the books of some of the great evangelists that were from the Healing Revival. I happen to have, and some friends gave me this, Oral Roberts's briefcase that he used back in the tent days. And I want to thank the Roberts family, the daughter that sent me a number of the copies of Brother Oral Roberts' sermons from the tent. I'm a, I'm a student of the healing revival. My father had great, great miracles in his ministry. So I have that DNA and that heritage in me, but it's a beautiful place to come and study the Word of God. Now, listen to me real quickly. I want you to join me in Reno, Nevada, and it's going to be the Mary Morella's Living Proof World Convention, and uh, the registration is free, but that'll be on Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, July 5th through the 7th, and then everybody pay careful attention. I'm going west to the Mountain America Prophetic Awakening, and that's in Sandy, Utah, July the 19th, 20th, and 21st, and you have to register. There's no fee to attend, but we have to know who's coming, so the details are on my website at perrystone.org and also if you'll go on the website we're going to be going to a lot of new places Winston-Salem North Carolina we're coming to uh, just a lot of places in the fall months that we've never been before and we would love to have you to join us in those meetings and you can get that information of course at perrystone.org we do want to also share with you the significance of what we're doing on every Thursday night we have global prayer over the internet you can send in your prayer request we have sometimes 50 80 100 
100, as many as 150 people that are praying over your personal prayer request. And also, uh, during this prayer time, we're getting words of wisdom and words of knowledge for people that are watching. And we're seeing God touch people in their home throughout the United States and even different parts of the world. We are building at ISO on the platform a brand new set for world prayer. I believe we have to learn to pray in these last days. We have to learn to communicate with God. We have to keep our spirit uh, in contact with the Holy Spirit through prayer. So we'd love to have you to join us on live prayer every Thursday, East Coast time from six o'clock till seven o'clock. We'll see you next week on Manifest. Expand your understanding of Scripture. Advance your effectiveness in ministry. Earn certification for your knowledge of the Bible. International School of the Word. Developed by Perry Stone and Dr. Brian Cutshaw, ISO.org is the premier online Bible school with dozens of courses, hundreds of lessons, and thousands of students all over the world. Sign up for one of our exciting, affordable Bible courses and begin your journey at ISO.org today.